0: There's an art and science to capital raising for commercial real estate, and today's guest is an absolute expert who's raised over $30 million for over $90 million worth of real estate, Hunter Thompson. He talks to us about his strategy for going out and building relationships at scale. One of the people that I look up to, and I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. It's wonderful that so many of you have stepped up and registered to partner in future multifamily opportunities together. We follow a very strict vetting process when selecting our operating partners and all of which have a serious track record, at least five years of experience, at least 2,500 doors that they've actually managed and owned and over $250,000 of assets under management. These kind of guidelines help make sure that we are investing together in some phenomenal, phenomenal deals. And you can learn more by registering at theinvestormindset.com slash invest. These institutional style investments bring benefits to busy professionals and real estate entrepreneurs looking to reduce their taxes and increase their returns. And you can join us by getting started at theinvestormindset.com slash invest. I look forward to seeing you on the next deal. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Steven Pescevento, and today I've got a very special guest and friend, Hunter Thompson. How are you doing today, Hunter? Hey, thanks again for the opportunity. Of course, man. As you guys know, Hunter is a full-time real estate investor and founder of ASIM Capital, a private equity firm based out of Los Angeles, California. And since founding ASIM, he's raised more than $35 million and directed the purchase of over $90 million of commercial real estate across a variety of asset classes. He's the author of Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. And he's also the host of the Cashflow Connections Real Estate Podcast, which is frequently in the top 200 investing podcasts. Highly recommend you guys check out Hunter's book. It's uh, one of my favorites. I've read it three or four times already. And we're going to dive into some fun topics about raising capital. You ready to dive into things, Hunter? Let's do it. All right. So you're a big advocate of building out a platform to attract investors And serving them and building your business around this philosophy. Talk to me a little bit more about it and where you discovered it and how it's really led into you building, you know, a
1: phenomenal business. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. So generally speaking, I think that the world of capital raising is uh, on itself, on its own, very, very interesting. But we're seeing an incredible interest in the space because there's incredible interest in the world of passive investing generally. You know, just in the last 10 years, we've seen the Jobs Act be created, we've seen this tidal wave of interest into the world of passive investments. And within that world, everything that helps people accomplish that goal of investing passively is going to be very, very lucrative and in the world of commercial real estate, particularly scalable. But from my perspective, raising money, just simply acting as a placement agent or directing capital is the single most lucrative, sought after skill in the entire sector. It's the one thing that if you can do this one thing of send out an email, do a webinar and raise $5 million, you can ensure you'll have a place in the business. Now, that's no easy feat. We'll talk about some of the reasons that is in this conversation, but I have always found myself less inclined to actually focus on the operating side of the business, implementing the business plan at the property specific level. And I just really like talking to investors, engaging in really interesting and kind of unique conversations at the high level with people that are interested in investing $100,000 or $200,000. That's what I want to do all day, every day. And so I built a business where that's basically all I do. And we can talk about how I've done it, but that's kind of my position on the capital raising side of the business.
0: You know It makes so much sense. It's something that I kind of sensed myself. That, that was the direction that I got the most joy out of when I was flipping houses. And it's one of the things that really attracted me to commercial. And so when I first met you, I thought, man, this is exactly the type of business model that I'm looking at. So I'd love to dive into things for those of uh, you who are listening, who are interested in maybe going down this path or just understanding more about some of the strategies that go into it and why it's really, really valuable. So talk to us about this, your kind of attract, educate strategy, and and we'll we'll kind of pick apart each of the, the different pieces that play into it.
1: Sure. So as you mentioned in the bio, I wrote a book called Raising Capital for Real Estate and sold thousands of copies all over the world from Shanghai to Los Angeles and everywhere between. Very proud of that. But in that book, I tried to give away everything I knew about this topic. And like every author, the moment you click publish, which we published through Amazon, I realized, oh my gosh, there's a really important element of this that if I don't give this away as well, people are going to blow it. And here's what that element is time. So the book is all about the concept that I don't want to chase around investors. I want them to chase me. I tell a story in the beginning in the first chapter where I had all of the things that you could have an advantage to raising money. I had Developed a track record with my own capital. I had an excellent strategic partner. I created a presentation I thought I would give today. You know, it's not a problem in terms of the presentation itself. I gave the presentation in a room of 30 people, each of which had a net worth of $1 million. And I completely failed. I didn't raise one nickel. And that was a really important moment for me. I basically realized, first of all, all the things that got me to that point, They aren't going to help me get to the next level. Just having good sales strategies, for example, isn't going to help savvy accredited investors give you their quarter million dollars. And so I took about six months to cry and complain about how badly I had performed. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I had made a big mistake. It's not scalable or replicatable or lucrative to go around trying to convince people to invest with you you have to create a lead nurture mechanism that allows you to use the same resources over and over again so that your time isn't required on a one-on-one basis. And so the system that I talk about is the attract, educate, nurture, close process. So instead of actually going around chasing people around, they're attracted to me through things I put out, lists of podcast interviews, and then I exchange some sort of value with them in exchange for their email address let's say an ebook or a due diligence checklist, but by the way, I find those to be extremely helpful. Any kind of list you can do is instant credibility because when people give you their email, the first thing they're trying to figure out is, is this person credible? And so when you write a 100 page ebook and that's the first interaction you're anticipating someone to have with you, that takes a ton of credibility just to get that person to read your ebook. So we started shortening the things we do, doing a lot of bullet points and going, How? You gave me the email. Here's instant credibility. Now in two emails, I'm going to say, guess what? As a bonus for being on my list, you get this very cool hundred page uh, ebook or something like that. So uh, long story short, just thinking about it in that framework, which is attract, educate, nurture, close, that alone can help you tremendously because it's going to allow you to avoid years of trying to chase your friends and family around and to invest them in your deals.
0: Yeah, I love it because it's digital marketing 101. And we use this in the startup space when I was working in startups. And it's definitely been a key piece of being able to serve you guys in the community, right? So I've put out different opportunities, different lists, different things. You guys have subscribed and that's given us an opportunity to engage with each other. Right. And so at the core of what Hunter's really talking about is creating a, a mechanism so that you can engage with as many people as possible at one time in a scaled, in a scaled manner. And so what I'm curious about Hunter is as you've been going out there and, and raising capital and attracting people into kind of the top of the funnel, if you will, what have been some of the best channels to reach new investors that you've found?
1: Well, the key as opposed to the channel is the medium that you feel you're going to be most consistent on. Consistency is far more powerful than the channel itself. So if you really don't like speaking publicly, you shouldn't be speaking publicly. Now, of course, there's things where you have to be good enough at certain things like writing emails, and I'd say speaking publicly may be one of those things as well. But if you don't like it, you don't want to spend all your day doing that. But for me, I really love the podcast medium. I love the fact that I can do it from the comfort of my home. I love the fact that I'm genuinely a very curious person. So I love to have conversations with experts that I look up to and agree with or disagree with. And so the podcast medium for me has been a fantastic, you know, I was very fortunate to start just a few years before the podcast medium really started to blow up, but I believe, and I quote the data in my book. But I think the numbers went from 14 million downloads in 2014 to 50 million downloads a year in 2018 in iTunes, something like that. So that's not going anywhere. So I really love the podcast mechanism, but this is really important regardless of what channel you use. It's critical that you move people off of those channels and into your own list. I'm doing a keynote presentation in a couple of weeks that's titled Grow Your List, Scale Your Portfolio. And if you're listening to this right now and you have a podcast or you're thinking about having a podcast and you have a a list of 100 people, you're going to have to be the best email marketer in the history of email to close a $5 million raise if you only have 100 investors. You would have to have a 100% close ratio, basically, at a $50,000 minimum. So I want to look at it the other way. I want to look at it in the sense of if I can grow my list. Even if my close ratio decreases significantly from, let's say, 10% to 0.1%, if that list is large enough, all my deals are going to be funded instantaneously. And that's what I spend all my time doing, the top of that funnel. But then once you're on the podcast medium, you've got to give away additional uh, resources, webinars, ebooks, checklists, et cetera in exchange for that email address so that people go from the podcast medium over to the other list. And I'll tell you one thing that people make a huge mistake on on their website. And it's very, very common. So if you're doing this right now, don't be embarrassed. I've done it too. Is thinking that the exchange of value, especially in that initial conversation, should be a phone call. So a typical thing you may see on someone's website is, hey, click here to learn more. And the learn more is an opt-in to schedule a call, 20 minutes or 30 minutes. The problem with that though, is that you're so early in that relationship that number one, usually those people aren't willing to give you that 20 or 30 minutes. And second of all, you shouldn't be in a position to give away that 30 minutes. The goal at the beginning is just to smash the credibility index all the way forward so that they're willing to, open your emails, entertain a call with you at some point and invest with yeah, you. Yeah, super helpful so, because I see a lot of listeners. people
0: run into this challenge where they're first getting started raising capital. Maybe it's for their deal. Maybe they're partnering with some other people, but they have a list of 50 or hundred people and they're thinking to themselves, oh, I can raise a million or I can raise $5 million. But at the end of the day, If any one of those people that you're relying on doesn't come through, you're kind of in a pretty tough spot. And so you really have to figure out, well, hey, how can I reach more people and and have them impacted and educated on being able to want to do business with me so that I'm not in a place where I need them to do business with me, where it's an option and opportunity for them. So what I'm curious about is what are some of the habits of a successful capital raiser? What are some of the things that should be done on a daily or weekly basis for uh, razors to be able to build uh, this type of business that you kind of envision in uh, in the book.
1: Again, going back to the system of attract, educate, nurture, close, all of your time should be focused on some piece of that system. So. All of them should be strong, but generally speaking, I would say that the attract phase is the most critical. The top of the funnel is the most important. But once you get through that, I would say that working on the educate and nurture phase. So attract is, hey, I'm Hunter Thompson, go to my website. Nurture, excuse me, educate would be in exchange for your email address, I'm going to give you this free ebook on self-storage. Then, okay, so they're educated now, they understand my business, they recognize what type of investments I'm interested in, why I like recession-resistant assets and such, and how we're positioned in the marketplace. And then it's time to nurture. So when you ask, you know, how should capital raisers be spending their time? This is where it's really the meat and bones of the whole business, focusing on generating those leads. And then how can I nurture that relationship once we're on the same page? So this is something that I actually got from Joe Fairless, who I interviewed many years ago, but it stuck with me. Each investor has a different way of really being moved to take action. And this sometimes can be broken down into senses. So, I want to be able to send them audio for people that only like audio. I want to be able to send them ebooks. So, people that only like ebooks are reading. Then, I want to have an annual conference, which is what we do at IIREC, the Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference. People actually can come meet me, meet some of the operators we invest with, et cetera. And then also, as we're talking about offline, we're just about to launch, I guess we just did launch the 5 million in 30 days summit, which is a virtual summit where some of our investors, a lot of capital raisers are going to come learn from other experts. And that's such a powerful stage of the nurture piece of this, because I'm putting myself in a position where I get to reach out to other absolute top tier capital raisers in the industry and say, do you want to come be Part of my platform? Can I position you as an expert on one particular niche in the capital raising business? And I'm not saying that they owe me a favor or something like that, but it's a very good strategy for building relationships with what Russell Brunson considers your dream 100. And I'm talking about like the best of the best. Um, You know, I mentioned Joe Fairless. He's not going to be speaking at the event, but his partner, Ben, who does. Uh, best ever conference. He's going to be talking about how to throw a conference. Neil Bawa, one of the best public speakers I know of, he's going to talk about how to be a great public speaker. We got Whitney Sell, who has an incredible podcast, and Kathy Fetke and Michael Becker, and just all these top tier people are going to come to the the conference or the the summit, I should say, and then add a ton of value. And by the way, for people that are already on my list, this is such a great nurture campaign. But a summit, especially a free summit, is one of the best ways to generate leads at all right now. It's so good. You're probably seeing a lot pop up. Well, it's going to keep happening until it stops working because it's, you know, we're anticipating thousands of people to register and get that email into our system in exchange for this awesome, awesome value bomb that's about to take place.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful way to do it. I, about a year ago, we did the Investor Mindset Summit and it was an opportunity to reach so many people. And so I think that's genius. Where can people find out more about that uh, summit or, or potentially register if they're looking to join?
1: Yeah, so it's 5 million and 30 days.com. And I'll tell a quick story about why that is, but it's the number five and the number 30. So 5 million and 30 days.com. And it's free registration. All those all-stars are gonna be there. But I mentioned at the beginning the concept of time being so critical. And it is important to build up your capacity so that when a deal is available, you can raise the money in a short amount of time because it doesn't matter how much money you can potentially raise. If you can't do it in 30 or 60 days, it's going to slip through your fingers. It's going to not be able to close through escrow and one of your competitors is going to get the deal. And so we recently did a raise where we raised more than $5 million in 30 days. And I realized this is actually a really important milestone because $5 million, let's say you borrow 10 million and use the five as a down payment, you're talking about $15 million piece of property. That is consequential, right? That's In terms of real estate, that's where the elite players play. You know, Below the institutional players, anywhere between 15 and 30 or so million dollars of purchase prices, you're unquestionably up there with the top 1% in the real estate sector. And that's where a lot of people want to be. Now, if you can do now a lot of people know how to underwrite, a lot of people know how to asset manage, but if you can't snap your fingers and make the $5 million appear, you're always going to be playing at a level that's below your potential. And so, that's the point of the summit. What strategies are these individuals using to ensure that when the deal becomes available they can sign the contract knowing with 100% confidence they're not going to lose the deal due to lack of funding. That's a very different ballgame when you're able to have that confidence.
0: Yeah, huge, huge difference. I mean, it's so impressive to be able to raise $5 million. I know that that was a feat that it completely changed your business, being able to do that, and being confident. So you obviously followed your system to be able to do that. You've been building uh, this list and educating and nurturing folks for, for quite a long time what was one of your biggest takeaways after hitting that milestone that other people could be able to leverage your model that ended up leading to you being able to raise 5 million in under 30 days?
1: Yes. So that's a really important question. Um, There's two things that I think are related, but it's just so common. People always focus on the close, And I mean, myself included, you know, I thought because I could communicate effectively and was passionate and I could convey that excitement I had about a deal that the money was just going to show up and you have so many sales books out there, but it really is not consequential. When you look at the bottom line, how you spend your time, if you're going to focus on closing strategies, now closing strategies are important. You don't want to blow the sale in the last minute in the fourth quarter, or even in overtime, I'd say, cause it's super, super like that's the last, the last stage. But As an example, if you're in a room of 10 accredited investors and you have a 10% close ratio, that's one investor, right? So if you're going to do all the sales training and hire Grant Cardone personally to come and just teach you how to smash, smash, smash the no, not taking no for an answer stuff, you may get your close ratio up 100% from 10% to 20%, which by the way, would be an incredible feat. But then you're at two investors. And again, I've been at the one investor, two investor level. So I'm not saying it's not something to be proud of, but that's not going to help you create a scalable and lucrative real estate career. So I have put everything on the other side of that equation. It's all about going from presenting in a room to 10 people to basically saying, I don't ever want to present in a room with only 10 people. In fact, I don't know if I ever want to present in a room again. Because I want to present in front of 10,000 people. And if I'm already at the level of presenting at 10,000, I want to be in a room or online or through a mechanism where there's 100,000 people. And here's why. If I go from a 10% close ratio to a 1% close ratio, or let's say a 0.1% close ratio, if it's 10,000 people and you get 100 investors from that, which is totally reasonable, by the way, A $50,000 minimum investment. That's $5 million right there. And so that's the big misconception. The big mistake that people make is thinking that they're going to read all these sales books, which are really focused on rebuttals, which is something that I never do or objective handling. And they should always be focused on this attract, educate, nurture, close system. So hopefully those are the two kind of takeaways. Don't focus exclusively on the closing strategies, you don't want to push investors across the finish line, especially in this business. But also, you know, the, the saying is, if you're good at something, you can be broke and be really good at that some that thing. But if you're really good at marketing, you're probably going to be rich no matter what, right? So if you're really good at real estate plus marketing, it's like a no brainer. And, you know, that's the goal we're always striving towards.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a huge takeaway because people then can focus on instead of trying to pull the juice out of the one lemon that they have in front of them, they can go out and figure out, hey, how can I build a lemon tree that's continuing to produce all the lemons that I want so I can never run out of lemonade? So uh, I'm curious to exactly. so dive into some specific numbers here on what your business is. And you know, I'm curious if you're comfortable sharing this, how many investors were on your list that ended up leading to how many investors invested that led to, to $5 mm. million?
1: Yeah, so we have about 350 investors who have made an investment in our offerings. And some of you may hear that number and be kind of unimpressed by that number. And I totally get that. So like the gross number of investors is just a few hundred, but that should be exciting. Absolutely. Because if you have 200 investors and they're accredited and they're willing to invest, let's say $60,000 every time you put out a deal, you have an incredible business. You have something really special that you should be striving towards. And proud of it, you know, at that level, it's just, it's so within your grasp, if you focus on the top of the funnel. So we have about 1300 registered accredited investors in our company. And that can create some really incredible things. Now, in 2020, we were very, very slow in terms of the cadence of our deals, we've done one deal so far, it was a non real estate deal, It was actually the deal that we raised 5 million or five and a half million or so, in 30 days. And It was just from, let's say, 60 investors. So there's a book that's about how you only need a thousand great fans. Um, in this business, it's not a thousand. You know, a few hundred uh, can solve all your funding problems that you need, as long as you deliver on your promises that you've made over the years.
0: And so that's really at the core, I think, of what people need to be considering when they're going about doing their first deal, doing their second, doing their third, is making sure that you have a high level of confidence that you're going to be able to deliver, so that when you're going out and you're building these, the nurture factor of once somebody invests with you is that you're going to continue to nurture them by delivering for them, by actually being able to make those smart decisions. And it's something that I've, I've looked to you for, uh, for advice and training on is how do you do this due diligence process? So you make sure that you're only selecting the deals that have the highest likelihood that remove majority of the risk. And that's what's led to over a number of years, you being being able to deliver for investors. So they continue to invest with you and come back day after day.
1: Yeah. Let me make a comment about that real quick, because there's an important learning point for myself and, and for listeners as well. So I was very hesitant to be the capital raising guy because anyone that knows me or listens to my podcast knows that I am so not that guy. I am not the guy that just wants the money to come through the bank account, come through the bank account, because we built our whole business around an incentive structure that is not really focused on that. I mean, I'm usually one of the largest investors in each of our deals. Our compensation is incredibly weighted, usually 80% or more towards performance. So we don't really make any money. In fact, we'll likely lose money if the deals don't perform because of the co-investment. So raising capital is an incredible tool, but it has to be given the respect it deserves. I spent several years only focused on due diligence and then only investing my own capital and then like my close immediate family, my mom, my sisters, before I started to scale the business and bring on additional investor capital. However, I saw a great opportunity to write a book that wasn't written and I thought it was going to be written if I didn't write it because of the timing and the the interest and the level of focus on this space. And so I put everything I knew into a book, which by the way, is a re- available for like $8 on my website, raisingcapitalforrealestate.com. I'm not joking when I say it's not fluff. It's, it's like everything I know. Um, but basically, I knew that when I wrote that book, that at least for a period of time, I was going to be the capital raising guy. And that's important because it's important that you be the guy of something, And it's hard for me. I'm so glad you brought this up. This is really, really important. It's hard for me because I want it to be, no, I understand due diligence. No, I really like economics and I really like passive investing, but I also like this thing called the hybrid approach. I can do whatever, but whatever doesn't get you clients. And also it makes everyone your competitor. That is like Mm -hmm. so heavy. So like anyone, I went from having everybody's a competitor of mine to now, only people that focus exclusively on capital raising could be considered competitors of mine. And guess what? We're friends. So we work together anyway. Does, does that sinking in? Like, Stephen, I know that you focus on marketing as well. You're the mindset guy. Like, but mm-hmm. does that mean that's all you do or know about? No. But I got to ask you, was it challenging for you to be known as that guy when you're like, but I've got so much more to offer?
0: Yeah, it's it super sets in because what people know it's difficult for people to know you as multiple different things. And so it's hard because when people know you as the capital raising guy or the mindset guy, they put you in this box and they think, well, that's all that you're able to deliver. But at the end of the day, the only reason I'm the mindset guy is because I figured out, well, it's the most important thing to do everything else that you want to do. And so if you want to go invest in real estate passively, you got to know mindset. You got to be able to understand how other people think and how you can apply those same skills. And I'm really glad that you wrote the book, uh, Raising Capital for Real Estate, because truly it is one of the best books that I've read on raising capital. And it's, I'm actually impressed that you wrote this book, like reading the book, knowing you, I look at it and I'm like, I mean, this is, this is, it's, it's absolutely incredible. So I highly recommend people go and do that. But what was it that, that led you to making that decision that you were going to be that guy that you were going to put your, your stake in the ground and say, this is me. This is what I do.
1: Well, a couple of things. Um, I was at a conference and this is kind of the story of my career. I was at a conference. I wasn't asked to speak at because I'm always thinking I'm about six months ahead of where I actually am. So I'm always like, wait, why isn't this happening? And then six months it actually happens. But I was at a conference and one of the speakers asked, has anyone raised a million dollars? Everyone put your hand up that that's done that. Okay. Keep your hand up. If you've raised more than 5 million, keep your hand up. If you've raised more than 10 million. And then it was like me and like two other people. And I was like, man, I got to write this book. And a lot of the speakers were talking about concepts that were similar to what I wanted to discuss, but I felt like I had an interesting angle on it and I'm pretty competitive as a person. So I wanted to write the book about the topic. Like there are other books about raising capital, but the angles aren't exactly the same but I knew it was going to happen. So it would kill me if I waited six months and didn't do it and someone else did. So that was really when I decided at that moment. And by the way, the conference I was at, Michael Blanc was speaking, uh, an incredible person in this space. And he could have written a book that was very similar to mine. And, you know, we, we all want to be like up with the greats in the industry. And that was kind of my way to, to put myself on the map in that capacity.
0: Yeah, that's huge. And that's what's definitely led to you being recognized as that person. I mean, by you putting this book out, it's it's been a dramatic, dramatically valuable tool for people to get to understand how you think, even if they're not looking at raising capital, even if they're just looking to understand, well, what is this business that I'm investing in? I'm sure that it's attracted people into the space. As we're getting close to wrapping up here, I want to give you the last word. What would you wanna leave people with if they're looking to go down this path and start raising capital for their business?
1: Well, I've got to say the summit that's coming up, and here's why. The way the summit works, it is recorded interviews where I'm talking about one particular strategy with each speaker. And that structure, I completely underestimated how powerful just that structure is because there's so many general podcasts about these topics, but you're not really focusing on one strategy. So the actionable stuff is limited. You hear a lot about people's background and why they're interested in real estate and about their business, but you don't hear the second, third and fourth and fifth question that actually allows you to instantly go and take action. So I'll give you an example. We had someone talk about hosting a no sales pitch networking event as a strategy for raising capital. It's not just about, oh, you should have a networking event. It's like, how much to charge, what the cadence should be, how frequent you should meet, how do you come up with new content? Should you have speakers? How many? Should you do panels? Should you do keynotes? It's like that level of detail. And that's just one of the 30 or 25 interviews. So go to the summit, five million millionand 30 dayscom It's free. Trust me, it's worth it on a risk-adjusted basis. And pick just a few strategies that really feel from your gut in line with what you want to accomplish in this industry. And then take action because they're going to give you all the playbook. I'll give you another example. Someone, Richard Wilson, who runs familyoffices.com. He talks about getting investor databases and how to use those databases, reach out to people on LinkedIn that are clients or work directly under billionaires. Now that's not something I implement in my business at all. I just don't have the time to do all these different strategies, but it's like, if that's what you want to do and you have an admin that can help you do that, boom, all the details for that. So Go and check it out at that website.
0: Highly recommend it. Look forward to seeing you there. And uh, thanks so much for dropping so much value. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend.